and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed. I'm your host for today, Scott McLeod, and welcome back to the usual show that you hear here on a Thursday where we're talking about all the latest news, rumours, uh, reviewing the weekly TV between WWE and AEW, and we'll even take a little trip over to Japan uh, towards the end of the podcast. I am your host uh, today. It's been a while since I think I've posted a future or a central, so it's good to be back. But you can hear me every every single week on Saturday Draft Live, every Saturday on our podcast feeds, as well as on Eat Meat West on a monthly or so basis, covering everything in New Japan. Also, you can check out all the other episodes of Central and our feature shows, like our most recent one on WrestleMania X7 and Mania matches that uh, should have happened but didn't. And also, we're keeping the, kind of the Mania theme going as coming up. We've got an episode on Best moments from the Raw after WrestleMania. I know it probably won't be the same this year as we won't have fans, but we can always reminisce and you can find all the likes to these podcasts on Android, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure I follow everything that ESR's got going on at Suplex Retreat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Join our community page where you can contribute to shows and give us your favorite moments from the Raw's after Mania. And you can check out such great content on our YouTube channel, such as Book It, Besties, and Coach Jordan, the latest of which, uh, if you haven't, uh, if you're not caught up, I'm going to spoil for it to you in five, four, three, two, one. Please welcome the man who won Quiz Showdown 9 and now joins me in the club of two time Quiz Showdown champions because I'm not allowed to have nice things, apparently. It's <laughs> my brother, Ross McLeod. Hi, kids. This is what winners sound like. Stay <laughs> in school. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's great to have you, as always. Oh, you sound, you sound so happy there. sound so sincere. I need to go see a dentist. I was gritting my teeth that much. <laughs> uh, and one of the newer rounds on Quiz Showdown, now we're looking at some really weird uh, wrestling-related items up for sale. We saw a Brie Bella Luigi costume that had been previously worn. And Russ talked about, you know, guys who are into women dressed as Nintendo characters as well as wrestling. I thought that perfectly summed up my usual co-host for East Meets West, who's joining us also here today. Now, Grant Robbie Grant probably isn't prepared to tell us how much he was willing to spend on that Luigi costume. I will make no comments on that, on that purchase to anyone, especially when I've got the Aldi Brothers of Destruction with me here. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not you dance. Here. You dance in the mirror with your Luigi costume. Uh, you can look, uh, but you can't touch. Uh, woohoo! It's like Brie Bella meets Buffalo Bill. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to judge you, Grant. That, that transaction is between you and your bank statement. Creep mode! Creep, 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 <laughs> uh, all that aside, we'll jump straight into the news. And, Ross, I'll start with you for this piece. We're going to Monday Night Raw where some developments have been made on the road to WrestleMania. Now, through the Raw report, you take much credit for the uh, the formation of the group uh, that would become the heart business when you were pitching for MVP and Lashley to come together and then that became one of the best things in Raw for the last year they recruited Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander Bobby Lashley when he became US champion now he's the WWE champion going into Wrestlemania but now 
seemingly out of nowhere after last week the Hurt Business helped Lashley beat Sheamus even though he didn't want their help. It seems like Lashley and MVP have gone off on their own whereas Cedric and Shelton have gone off on their own thing. So the Hurt Business has seemingly just been broken up out of nowhere. What did you make of this news? Yeah, um, I thought it was weird because... Yeah, like, he, he berated them last week and he said, you know, I'm going to go outside the family to get this. But then all of a sudden it's all where, uh, you know, the heart business is no more, yous are done. Like, I would have preferred it maybe if he replaced them with someone, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, he's not allowed to have them at ringside, but, you know, there was nothing said that he couldn't have, you know, Humberto Carrillo and Drew Gulak at ringside or, you know, the Lucha House party. You know, just give these guys something to do. But it's a shame because I think Shelton's going to, you know, fall down the card. Cedric Alexander, he was, you know, for ages I've considered him a charisma vacuum. You know, I know <laughs> it's me talking here, but, you know, um, <laughs> I've considered him a charisma vacuum. He's been doing the best work in his career, being like the arrogant sort of knobhead. I, if anything, I thought they would have kicked Cedric out and kept Shelton, but I didn't see them kicking both of them out. Grant, mm. do you think, because uh, I think that this would have been best said for like, the Raw after WrestleMania 37, because uh, that fits in with the theme of the show we were coming up, but you know, having Bobby Lashley falsely blaming the heart business for his loss to Drew McIntyre, Drew inevitably wins back the title, and that kick starts to break up with the heart business, but the fact that it's happened like like two weeks before Mania just makes it even more like out of the blue. It's to me a complete total random as hell booking decision, and I think it's a stable which, as much as I don't really watch Raw that much, watching the highlights occasionally, they were a highlight of the show. They were brilliant to watch. They, and to me, like the way Undisputed Era has been in NXT, this should have been a group that wasn't just there for a year. This should have been a multi-year stable that could have easily had people come in and come out. But, you know, they've said MVP's pretty much said the heart business is him and Lashley, so there's still room for things to come round. Yeah, so, like, the Undisputed Era's broken up. This group is kind of not what it was. You know, now it's just Lashley and MVP. And then, end of last year, WWE was, just, was breaking up tag teams left, right, and centre. And you don't know what the hell is going on with WWE's, like, booking something. It's like, here's a team next week. By the way, these two are broken up. Okay, what are your plans for them? Uh, we don't have any. <laughs> it's just like Vince just decides to break people up on a one right? He has a, a board uh, filled with tag teams and he just throws a dart. Who's gonna break, who are we going to break up this week? Uh, the Hurt Business. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. and it, It's only when you get to the, like, the likes of Night of Champions and uh, WrestleMania, you know, that you notice what's happening. You know, eight years ago, it was Big E and Dolph Ziggler being like the big, you know, the smarmy, smarmy loved heel and the the big backup, you know, the big muscly backup making his in-ring debut. Now they're doing that this year. Yeah, for the Raw tag titles, SmackDown tag titles, you'd be forgiven for forgetting that Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode were the champions. You know, mm-hmm. there was this sort of thing with Sonya Deville sort of abusing her power and like making the Street Profits wait for a rematch. And then it's just been like, well... When are they getting the rematch, or is is anyone getting a match? You know, you're like, oh, there's there's lots of teams. Who who are these lots of teams, Sonia? I know. 
Like, I like to. I, I tried to look on the brighter side of this. Like, well, Shelton, look, Sheldon and Cedric can like stay as a team uh, and like go back after the raw tie titles because they kind of got unfairly shafted. Like, as soon as they lost, they shift into the thing with AJ and Oma. Like, the raw tie division really isn't that really doesn't have much for them either because like even when they were tied team champions, you could be forgiven for forgetting that they were in chance to begin with. I mean, they lost them to the new day who they won them from in the first place. So there aren't that many teams, probably because, like I said, at the end of last year, they were breaking so many of them up. But new, day, new Day at the minute, just a, a quick point here. New Day are sort of, like, Usos are injured. Usos, for a while, were the only tag team. So, like, whenever you didn't, you know, when you're about to break up the two single stars, they lost them to the Usos. It's sort of the way the New Age Outlaws were back in the 90s. You know what I mean? There was only ever one tag team in the 90s that stuck around, and that was the Outlaws. Mm-hmm. The, uh, that's what the New Days have become now. They've sort of become the modern-day Outlaws, where it's like, oh, well, we need we need to drop, you know, we need Nakamura and Cesaro to drop the title, give them in the New Day. Oh, we need the Hurt Business to drop the title so they can break up, give them in the New Day. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that point. But I mentioned lastly, obviously, he has WrestleMania, I think, about with, with Drew McIntyre. Also, we talk about breaking up teams that we like to see, and similarly, they're into putting back together teams we don't want to see because Baron Corbin has randomly aligned himself with Bobby Lashley, reminding us of that random three man trio of Drew, Lashley, and Corbin that were a thing a couple of years ago. It was basically like, here are the heels for the Shield to beat up. And like, was anybody clamouring for to, for a reminder of this trio? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe the three man bland is what wrestling Twitter referred to them as at the time. Like Corbin is Corbin's a really good heel, and Corbin's a really good big man to have in a multi man match. Look at his um, his triple threat match for the US title uh, with. AJ and sorry, Robert Roode and uh, Dolph Ziggler. His triple threat with uh, AJ and Dolph. Uh, his performances in the Elimination Chamber. You know, he has a good, a good multi-man big guy to have because he, he sort of he comes in, he beats the shit out of everyone, and then he you know he takes like all the finishers. You know, because it takes about eight finishers to get a big guy down. And he is a mm-hmm. proper old school. Doesn't want to be laughed at or or to get, like, laughs sort of heel, you know what I mean? He has a good heel, but so often they just kind of put him into pigeonholes where it's like, I'm the GM, I'm a king, I'm, you know, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner. Mm-hmm. And then you've people like Drew and Lashley who have been allowed to show what they're about, you know, allowed to show a bit of personality who have since went on to bigger and better things, and yet they've continued to pigeonhole Baron Corbin. You know, the three of them together didn't work. If it's a wee, you know, stopgap on the road to WrestleMania, Drew beats up Baron Corbin, yeah, fine, fair enough, but I don't want them in a tag team together. Yeah. Because, like, it's it's very much a downgrade for going from, like, on the same night that our business broke up, now Lashley's got this alliance with Corbin, and I I hope it's just, like, a stopgap thing for, like, Drew to go through Corbin before getting to Lashley at Mania, because... He had like Lashley trying to get the raw locker room and help take out Drew for him. He had Ricochet and Ali stepping up and being unsuccessful. And I'm hoping this doesn't mean that 
uh, once Drew gets the title back that Corbin will be trying to get a title shot because Aaron Corbin feuds go on for way longer than they ever need to be and I don't want that for Drew and his title reign. But speaking of WrestleMania, yeah, you had a few like matches added to the show and I think a couple more still to be announced in the coming weeks. Uh, night two, we're going to have Sheamus versus Matt Riddle for the United States Championship. And uh, the main event of night two is also being confirmed to now include Daniel Bryan in a triple threat alongside Edge and Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And now, Grant, I'll go to you on this one. Braun Strowman versus Sheamus has been added to night one as a steel cage match. So I'm assuming Shane's probably not going to jump off anything, but I honestly think this is going to be a case of Shane wins accidentally again. Like, Braun's going to do like a show in 99 and throw Shane through the cage and, and Shane wins. As long as we get the train sound effects, I'm happy. I want oh, to see Stro- I Stro- love the, the train. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm sorry, Graham, on you go. Sorry. <laughs> Strowing the tank engine is just, it's so awful, but my God, it made me laugh. <laughs> I've seen so many like Thomas the Tank related like memes with that, like putting the Thomas the Tank theme over it. Like people saying, get Ringo Starr into his naddy, everything Braun Strowman does. <laughs> oh my God, that would be incredible. Braun Strowman was very angry at Shane McMahon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ross, yeah, you you were you were very uh, much in favour of the train noises. Like you and Dave were like speaking very highly of it, and why you thought it was a good idea. Oh no, Dave, Dave hated it. I loved it. I thought right. I I just laughed because, like, I think at times, do you know what it is? I think at times WWE. See, because WWE is so mainstream, and WWE is on a mainstream sports channel in the United Kingdom on BT Sports. I think people get embarrassed by these things because they think people they know see it. You know what I mean? Whereas, like in in AEW, and I'm I'm not knocking it because I like Luchasaurus, but like you've got a guy running about like a dinosaur, mm-hmm. and you know it's called one man and his one boy and his dinosaur, and he's carrying about Luke Perry's son on his <laughs> shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, if we can have a laugh at that, let's have a laugh at this. It's it's stupid. It's daft. It's probably not going to continue. Well, I don't know if the crowds will start chanting choo choo. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, that would be amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're going to shout that, but like, I'd be hel- I thought it'd be hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, I, I enjoy it. It's stupid, it's daft, but it's about fun and it's about wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, let's not take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Because, like, in a Thunder Room, they can basically add whatever noise or, like, effects they want. Because, like, you see him with Riddle's new entrance, where he does the thing where he puts the. throws away his flip flops. These weird, like, computer animated birds start flying around for some reason. But uh, I can only imagine that's what uh, Matt Riddle's meant to see when he's insanely high. <laughs> <laughs> Just going about in his scooter, forgetting what he's meant to see. But like, I don't know what's going on. I'm actually, part of me actually like, wishes that. Part of me actually hopes that Sheamus actually wins the US title on night two. Nothing against Riddle, but I just think given everything that Sheamus has done recently, you know, the great matches with Drew, the match with Lashley, the following night on Raw, I actually want Sheamus to win because I think he deserves something. Yeah, he's been really good recently and uh, they batter you over the head with the fact that Riddle's meant to be a stoner. It's like a Cheech and Chong uh, film from the 1970s. Basically, a day for 
people old, as old as me, you might get this reference. He's basically became Leo from that 70s show. That is the <laughs> character that Matt Riddle plays now. And it's just, it's so annoying. Like, he was a laid back guy who could <laughs> kick your head in. Can we go back to having that gimmick? I can't believe you just pigeonholed him like that, man. <laughs> well, why don't you do it, man? <laughs> He's looking down. Look at the referee. He holds up the title. Hey, nice belt, man. Is that mine? <laughs> Dude, where's my belt? Waiting for that gimmick to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> the thing with Riddle, like, they can't overtly say that he's a stoner or anything like that, but he, so like, it just makes him seem like he's an idiot, so I wonder if they're going to do a thing where he's just either so stoned or so stupid that if he loses the title, he comes in the next night on Raw and doesn't even realise what happened the night before at WrestleMania, that he lost it, and given the, when the, given the RVDs we're going to talk about later on within the, it's going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I do, the part of me hopes that on Riddle's way to the ring before his match, he's like backstage going on his scooter and he runs into RVD. Oh my god. That'd be great. I do like the fact though that after the match with Seamus this week on Raw, where Seamus beat him, um, that he he did show a bit of more of a serious side, like he went right after him. And their match on Raw, it was only about 10 minutes long, but it was pretty brutal. Like the, the finish with the big knee then pull them back in for another flying knee. I thought that was great. Um, so I'm looking for, I think, you know, I, I don't want to jinx it because last time I said Sheamus's match could be match of the night, it was the 18 second match with Daniel Bryan. <laughs> so I'm going to... That is match of the night. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go completely the other way here and say it's going to be terrible, it's going to be horrendous. Just so when it's good, I'm like, oh, quite well, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, you never know. Uh, another match uh, that's apparently reported to be getting announced soon is that on night one of WrestleMania, there's going to be some sort of women's battle royal to determine the one contenders for the women's tag titles. And the winner of that match goes on to the next show, but it goes on to night two to face Nia and Shayna. And I'd like to say I'm looking forward to that, but it's going to be Lana and Naomi, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I put in the group chat earlier, uh, I believe it was Strack that suggested Lana and Naomi, and that is where the, I believe the smart money is on because of all the Lana table stuff, but I think if it's not them, it's going to be Tamina and Natalia. get them a title win at WrestleMania, you know, thanks for your service, you know, you're part of a lineage and all that, blah, blah, blah. And then when they lose them, hopefully that's a case of, well, you've had your big WrestleMania send-off, see you later, we've got new people coming through. Um, but, yeah, nothing really excites me. I think the, the women's tag team titles have been held by far too many, like, odd couples. So, pardon me. So, I think if, like, if it's, like, maybe the last two people in the Battle Royal that, you know, they're considered the winners and they're... Like, are they maybe going to do, like, Bailey and someone, and it's, like, an odd couple tag team, and they have to, you know, they have to get up. How will they ever get along? And then they somehow manage to hold the titles for four months together. You know what? I wouldn't mind, actually. Um, Bay Mella, 
you know, Bailey and Carmella have made no secrets that they were, you know, best of pals in NXT and they've never really had a chance to tag together on TV. You know, when mm-hmm. Carmella's been a heel, Bailey's been a face. When Bailey's been a heel, Carmella's the face. Now that Carmella's got this new it girl gimmick and Bailey is just at the top of her game, like, I, I think it'd be a travesty after what she done for the SmackDown Women's title and what she did for the women's division during the lockdown sort of era to not have her on WrestleMania. So uh, I've just, it just came to my head there. So I'm going to go Carmella and Bailey to win it. Uh, I think, Grant, as we're talking about, I think that, that just screams the state of the women's side division and that I and Shayna, as dominant as they've been recently, they were initially a thrown together team of two singles wrestlers who probably as soon as they lose these titles will probably be back to their own thing. So it's the case of like one thrown together team gets beat by another thrown together team. Uh, it just seems like thrown together teams and I, I'm going to counter Rossi's thrown together team of Bay Mella with uh, Bailey and someone else who had an absolute fantastic single show in recently, Peyton Royce. Oh. Yeah, she looked like, a star against Asuka. You know what? If only, if only Peyton Royce had a tag partner, maybe someone from the same country as her, as her. You know, someone with a resume. Someone with a resume that screams former women's tag champion. You know, if only, if only for the state of the women's tag team division, we had an iconic tag team. You know what I mean? Because if we had an iconic tag team, it'd be really stupid to split them up, wouldn't it? Ross, mm-hmm. you've got to be yeah. joking me. I, mean, I was going to pitch. <laughs> I was going to pitch Bailey or Carmella on their own, like being paired with Billy Kay, like just reluctantly. But you know, yeah, the idea of the iconics getting back together. I mean, yeah, we all we can talk about it. The word blown the face is stupid. Was trying to split up. Uh, one school thought I've heard. What somebody suggested the idea of it all being like a singles battle and just being like because they did this for Mania 15 to determine who's going to challenge for the tie titles. But basically, whoever the last two people in the ring are, that's who's challenging for the tie titles, and it ended up being Deal Brown and Tess. So if they did like some sort of singles women's battle and it's the last two in who go on to challenge for the tie titles, I'd like it if it ended up being Billy and Peyton happen just happen to be the last two in, and because also even though they're on different brands, they can still go back and forth together because also you can go between brands with the women's tag titles that that would be great that would mm-hmm. I th- I see the thing with uh, Sasha and, um, and Bailey. I don't think that was a thrown together team and it is something that uh, it, like their history was well documented um, and something that you know what we saw in AEW with the Dark Order and that Battle Royal recently um, was a revolution yeah yeah, um, like they had like right. So uh, Uno and Grace no team together, and then these two will team together, and then these two will team together, and it's people from the same faction. So it's it's not a thrown together team. They do have history. They are you know together, or if you know if we know the history of certain people like Carmela and Bailey, or you know the iconics, you know. They don't have to be tag teams all the time, but you know, just give us enough of a story there so that when these people end up back in the tag division, it's not a case of, well, these this team's thrown together. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. kind of, kind of like how the New Day are still the New Day, even though Biggie's on SmackDown and he's you know doing his own thing. It's still the New Day. Yeah, well, it does did still feel weird calling them the New Day when you're just talking about Kofi and Xavier and obviously Biggie's on a 
a different brand. The yeah. thing with it, yeah, I think with this Battle Royal, this would usually screen to me like pre-show Battle Royal because like most of the Battle Royals that happen at WrestleMania usually are on the pre-show, like the women's WrestleMania Battle Royal, which I think this will probably take the place of, and the Andre Battle Royal, which is rumoured to probably still be happening. I'm assuming if it does happen, that will probably end up getting moved to be the, the kickoff match of night two. But if this match is on night one, the uh, to determine who's going to fight night into the next night, it, according to WrestleVotes, won't be on the pre-show because WrestleVotes has tweeted that there's, there's uh, an idea that's been thrown around of not having a pre-show match on night one because the, whatever the first match is of night one will be the first like ent- will feature the first entrances in front of fans in over a year, and WWE wants that to be a special like thing and saved for like the first match of the main card, which in theory I really like agree with. So also has me thinking, what match that's been announced for night one is gonna end up opening the show and I can see them I think it's either gonna be Sasha versus Bianca that opens night one or Seth versus Cesaro. And the reason I say Seth is because Seth recently brought back the burn it down for his entrance music. And also given that they're arranging seeing their white it's like the idea of the pyro and the flame shooting up for the burn it down as the first like entrance in front of fans in over a year, I think aesthetically that'd look really good. You guys got any other suggestions what you think might open night one? Grant, uh, after you. Uh, if it's not going to be Rollins and Cesaro, what the hell was the other big singles match that was that wasn't a title one? Was that many matches being announced? I'm starting to lose track at all. Uh, so I've, I've got the six here if you want me to read them out. There's so night one it's uh, Sasha Bianca, Bobby versus Drew, Bad Bunny versus The Miz, New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos, Braun versus Shane, and Cesaro versus Seth. I wouldn't be surprised if Thilton with Drew v. Uh, no, in fact, Drew v's Bobby is a, a title match. No, I want to be the first in. I, I, I honestly can't see anything beyond Seth, Seth and uh, Cesaro or the women's title match. The two of them make perfect sense. Um, I think an outside bit, just because WrestleMania always features like a musical performance. Uh, Bad Bunny versus The Miz. Mm. It's not a bad show. It could be interesting. Could be interesting. Uh, I think uh, New Day, even though they don't really, I don't know if they feature like the, the biggie, like Don't You Dare Be Sour, but if they did, I'd say that that would be a good way to open the show like with a Raw Tie title match, because like the idea of New Day and it getting everybody to clap along, immediately getting the fans that are there to like getting that crowd interaction again that's been missing for over the last year. Because you know, for credit to like they've tried with the Thunderdome, but I was thinking you're watching uh, Fastlane, just like we see them, these people reacting at big moments on the screen, just like oh, like thumbs down or going hey. It just looks like like that computer generated crowd you see in like the old SmackDown games, just making the yeah. same motions no matter what's happening. It's something um, we're, we're discounting here. Uh, WrestleMania does have a host, uh, Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil. So I and WrestleMania is finally back in business. Yes, they've said finally quite a bit on mm-hmm. the advertising. I can see maybe to open WrestleMania, where maybe a wee nod to the last time Hulk Hogan hosted WrestleMania. Um, Titus and Hogan in the ring introducing Welcome Everyone to Mania and then the Rock's music hits and that's what gets like the crowd going. Uh, 
unfortunately, you won't get Hogan Rock in Austin because Stone Cold Steve Austin already confirmed he would not be part of uh, WrestleMania 37. Yeah, I don't know if they'd really be a role for me other than, like you said, like that opening just like for to pop the crowd that's there. And it is telling that they've like you've been using also the a sound by the rock saying finally as part of the uh, the WrestleMania advert to go with the, the slogan finally WrestleMania's bag in business. Although Ross for Rock fans as yourself, I think you may just be getting your hopes up once again. You may be disappointed if the rock doesn't show up. I'm currently wearing my Dwayne the Rock Johnson grey t shirt at the moment. Um I will never, ever, 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 ever be disappointed at a WrestleMania, but you know if and I, I'm really looking forward to this, but you know, if The Rock doesn't show up, it's stupid and so is wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Ross officially resigns from you, so like, stupid, I don't even like wrestling. No, uh, a lot, lot of shite. MMA, it's real fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of good options there. I mean, part of me wouldn't be surprised if they had Shane and Braun open the show as well. Just also given that there will be some sort of big spot in the match. Elsa kicking it hot off hot like when when Shane opened with AJ Styles and like they had the shooting star press but they had him doing the bits of the table and that proved to be like one of the better like opening matches in recent memory. So although I don't know if a lot of people will be like, ah, the first entrance in front of live crowd in front in over a year and it's the boss's son. And the man who makes choo choo noises when he runs around the ring. <laughs> <laughs> But just in, like, even with WrestleMania that week, uh, what's also two nights is NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And uh, looking at the, the card that's been announced so far, it does look like uh, this show is looking to deliver uh, with the card that's been uh, announced. Because uh, the last TakeOver Vengeance Day, I thought was like a real like return to form. For the takeovers, I think it's the better, one of the better ones we've seen in a while. And so we look at the two nights we've got on night one: Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai for the women's title main event thing. We've got MSK versus Rizzle Young Vets versus Legado del Fantasmo for the vacant NXT tag team titles. We've got uh, on tonight's NXT there's a twelve man battle royal, uh, and the final, apparently the last six entrants in that battle royal will go into a gauntlet eliminator on night one with the winner of that Gauntlet Eliminator challenging Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American title uh, the next night. And also Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title is going to happen on night one. Uh, as for night two, we've got Karrion Cross and Finn Balor in the main event for the NXT title. I'm Cole and Keller in an unsanctioned match. Like I said, Johnny Gargano versus the winner of that Gauntlet Eliminator. And Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar in a ladder match to determine the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Now, that's a, a hell of a card, I'm sure. There's, there's four matches so far on each night. I'm sure they'll add one, at least one each to both nights because uh, you've got, still got the women's tag titles that uh, still need to be added to the card. I'm assuming uh, just the top medal will probably be Ember and Shotzi versus Candice and Andy Hartwell, probably. But looking at these, this card, this card for both nights, uh, I know we're not going to do like, an actual like, preview for this because we've got a preview coming the Wednesday before night the Wednesday of night one, uh, an hour before the show starts, we'll be doing a preview. Myself, Ross, Dave Tottenham, and whoever else uh, wishes to join us from the ACSR. Actually, looking at the cards on paper, why you guys tell you like, any match that immediately stands out to you, which do you think will feel the show? I'll start with you, Grant. O'Reilly and Cole. 
without a doubt that is the match of the of the week there for me even over the mania matches that's the match i'm most looking forward to as a good shout, you know, we've NXT's got a history with former tag partners playing each other in unsanctioned matches. You know, I mean, a weekend, you know, one of my favourite matches still of all time, and, or even if NXT history is a Gargano versus Champion unsanctioned match. So if it's anything like that, then, you know, and they've seen that go on over the history on the Indies. Ross, what, what match across both nights immediately stands out to you above all else? Uh... Not so much stand out, it's just I'm really intrigued by it. Um, Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa. Um, Walter's heading on to, I believe, is it two years as NXT UK champion? He, he won it at WrestleMania uh, 2019 weekend. Yeah, 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 take over New York, yeah, because he's currently he's well over 700 plus days, so it's come up on two years now. Yeah, um. Rampage Brown is meant to face him the next night on um, NXT UK. NXT UK have a have a I can't remember what the else is called, but there's an NXT UK sort of special takeover event where Walter's meant to defend the title against Rampage. So I don't know if you know this being on night one really gives away that result, but I'm really intrigued to see how that match would go. You know, Tommaso Tampa, you know built like a brick, you know what house, but he's significantly smaller than Walter and Walter has been throwing him about in the build up to it, there's the whole Imperium thing, there's the whole um, Timothy Thatcher and his history with um, with Ringkampf and um, with yeah, Marcel Bar- Marcel Barthel right? mm-hmm. uh, the history there um, and it, it just it's a really intriguing match for me and I really I'm really glad to see Tommaso Ciampa back in a sort of title match at TakeOver because as much as I do like the fact that people can stay in NXT for years at a time now and, you know, we can build a brand and get used to, like, two, three, four-time champions, um, because we're so used to seeing someone lose the title then go up to the main roster, it's weird when someone loses the title and then is not involved in the, in the title picture. Yeah, I think like win or lose for Tampa, Thatcher's going to play a major role in the, the outcome of this. Whether he joins the beer and where he decides to stick with Champa as this as the tag team that they've got going, I think uh, given that it's probably it was definitely pre-recorded, given that Walter is here in the US, uh, that Rampage is more than likely to beat him at Prelude. Uh, I think it's called it's NXT UK Prelude. I think it's just a special episode of NXT UK, given it's airing the same night as Night Two of Stand and Deliver. I think it's the best thing you can do is have Rampage win the title and Walter moves on to the US NXT on a more regular t- basis. Uh, the only other match confirmed for NXT UK Prelude is uh, Tyler Bate versus Noam Dar as a number contenders match for the Heritage Cup held by A-Kid. And uh, Noam Dar is going to have Shaz Simons in his corner and Trent Seven's going to be in the corner of Tyler Bate. So I'm sure... Amongst that busy week, I'll try and find like squeeze an hour or so in to yes. watch that. But I've I've a bad feeling it's gonna be one of those things. Like I hear about the results, and like I'll get into that. Just months later, I've not watched it yet. Just to throw it in there, Walter won the title on the fifth of April, twenty nineteen. So he's gonna hit the two year mark regardless. There you go. Yeah. The only. Sorry, only go Scott. 
I was going to say, one thing you can't really accuse the next UK of, like, with the exception of, uh, like, Tyler Bates' inaugural reign, the UK, like, titles on that brand, like, they don't have short reigns with them. I know Gallus recently lost the tag titles, but, like, Keely Ray's, like, 500-plus days as the women's champion. Walter has basically smashed uh, past uh, Pete Dunne's record, again, thanks to the pandemic. But it's one of the things, like, at least you know you're going to get a decent length reign with some of these times that when you do get a short reign, at least it means something with NXT UK. Yeah, um, something I would say, though, as much as I'd, I'd love it if Tommaso Ciampa uh, won the UK title, I, um, I wouldn't be keen on three of the four title changes in the belt's history being in the US, you know, because mm-hmm. eight wins it at Blackpool, then loses it in Chicago to Dunn, who loses it in New York to Walter, who would then lose it in Florida to Tommaso Ciampa. Like, I, I want Ciampa to win, but I don't want that to become a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, part of me thought, like, why don't you just put Rampage Walter on this card? Uh, but again, like, that would have led, led to the same thing you talked about there. So, yeah, that means Rampage, even if it did happen, like, a few weeks ago when they taped, but it does mean at least the UK title has changed hands in the UK for the first time since its inaugural, like, champion. Yeah. But, Something that uh, we can talk about ahead of our preview show, because we'll know the outcome of it by the uh, time this goes up and by the time we do the previews. Tonight, the uh, the 12-man battle royal to get into the Gauntlet Eliminator, which uh, WWE apparently filed a trademark recently for the for, uh, Gauntlet Eliminator. So they're trying to like, brand that as like a new thing for the NXT. They can do like regularly whenever they need a challenger. I'm going to read you guys out the 12 names that are confirmed for the battle royal. You can kind uh, Try and speculate who you think are going to be a part of the Gauntlet Eliminator out of those 12, you know. So we've got for the old Battle Royal announced Bronson Reed, Dexter Loomis, Kushida, Leon Ruff, Cameron Graham, Austin Theory, Roderick Strong, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Pete Dunne, Tyler Russ, Jay Atlas, and L.A. Knight. Uh, so out of those 12, I'm going to go to you guys, give me some like predictions. Who do you think out of those well, out of those twelve, will be end up being the six that go on to the the gauntlet eliminator. I'm going to go bold here, and I'm going to say LA Knight to be first eliminated. I think he's going to stand in the middle of the ring, annoy the life of everyone, and everyone's just going to pick him up and throw him out. And I think did he not face Bronson Reed in his debut match? No, he had a debut match against uh, August Gray, won, and then fought Bronson Reed, and then randomly lost. Right. He, he, he lost? Yeah. All right, I'm making no predictions for LA Knight then, if he's lost <laughs> or Maybe, maybe you know, he gets sick of being embarrassed and he goes after Bronson Reed and he beats him at TakeOver because, you know, it's a two-night event, so they're going to have to need to fill it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, LA Knight won't be there. I think um, Loomis and Austin Theory, they've got the history there. and they've uh, Loomis has been floating about the North American title scene. He'll be there. Uh, Kushida will be there. Cameron Grimes will be there. Mm, I'm not too sure who else will be there. Uh, Grant, you got any questions, any thoughts on what Ross has said so far? Yeah, I've been thinking about this since yesterday and I've already got my six that I think will make it through to the, the Gauntlet Eliminator. The six that I've went for, I've actually went LA Knight. I think he'll get through the elimin- I'll get through get through to the eliminator, but he'll probably get smacked about during that. Um I've got Grimes to go through Kushida Loomis because 
his whole thing with Gargano and the fact that Indy Hartwell just looks at him and that whole choking joke always got me. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> uh, Roderick Strong, because I think he I think he'll be a solid like he's just great in the ring, so I think he's a great person to put over it. And Pete Dunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Put Roddy Strong and Pete Dunn to fill out my one because I'm going to be honest, Scott, I'm reading out names and I forgot who you read. <laughs> so like, that one might <laughs> Even if, like, if LA Knight goes in, I can see him being the kind of, like, that character where you got somebody who's a face like a Kushida or a Leon Ruff who gets a couple of eliminations in this gauntlet and then they're so knackered that a heel comes in and easily, like, beats them and acts all cocky about it. That's the role LA Knight would probably play in this gauntlet eliminator if he went through. But I like it about this battle roll, as weird as it's going to be to start with Trill and then Ryan with just six guys standing there like, oh, I guess we survived. Uh, you can use it to kind of set up matches like a Bronze Me v LA Knight or even Roderick Strong versus, sorry, the Austin Theory versus Dexter Limits if you want to keep that going. But I'm going to go a bit bold here. I don't think Kushida or Pete Dunne go through the Eliminator because a few weeks ago Pete Dunne went, came out and said, I am the greatest technical wrestler in the world. Who out there can prove me wrong? And then we saw in a promo, Kushida talked about how great a technical wrestler he is. So I think Kushida eliminates uh, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn grabs Kushida's leg, allowing him to be eliminated. And then that sets up a match for maybe night two. Kushida versus Pete Dunn is basically like a technical showcase. And maybe this is me fancy booking because I want Kushida to do something of note after he failed my draft team. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, who wouldn't be down to see Kushida be Pete Dunne? I don't even think that's an act that's even happened before. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be well game for that. Aye, totally. Yeah, cause like, we've seen that both these guys like live as part of ICW, so, so we know how good they are. So seeing them actually coming together in a match, I think, would, again, be another uh, opportunity to do the show. But keeping with NXT briefly, uh, NXT has officially announced the move to Tuesday night that will happen. Either the Tuesday after WrestleMania, the 13th, and I think that's probably the wisest decision because we're going to talk about later on more about Impact Wrestling is proving this Thursday starting uh, April 8th. So that means there'll be Raw and Dark Elevation if you want to watch it, uh, NXT, AEW, Impact, and SmackDown. Like the first like five straight days of wrestling. And then plus a takeover or pay-per-view at the weekend, if, depending on when it happens. So I think it's easier for your average wrestling fan now to like, be able to space out their, their watching rather than, like, I know everybody was excited about this whole ratings war thing, but I think it's really hindered NXT. So I think with the quality of the takeovers they've had recently and this move, this will be like a return to form for NXT, getting back to how NXT used to be. Yeah, um like you said, about five days of wrestling. Um, you know, I, I the other day, um, on Tuesday, sorry, I should say time of recording, we record this on a Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday was the first time in about a week and a half where I got a really, really good sleep and was able to sleep in and didn't have anything uni or work-related on. So, of course, I completely ruined that by staying up to like 4 a.m. last night. And it, it got to about 1 o'clock and I'm like, I'm up, I'm quite alert, not tired, I might might watch some wrestling and, you know, I, if Dynamite was on, I'd watch that. Dark Elevation seems like something new and fun. I'm not going to sit and watch Dark. It's akin to watching main event, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not not a freak. I'm not watching Dark. But 
with NXT moving there, I'm not not picking a side. Like I, I didn't like the whole rating war thing, but oh well, you know this is trying to do this and this is trying to do that. You know, on one hand, NXT has always been a Wednesday night. On the other hand, AEW being on a Wednesday night didn't mean you had to stop watching NXT. You know what I mean? Like it's not the first time two shows have been on at the same time. But you know, I I, I do watch NXT live when I can, so. I think it's good for fans because you can now watch both of them live because, you know, I've seen people talking and it is true. You want to be in the group chat talking about it. You want to be on Twitter interacting with people and being like, oh my God, did you see that? And having a bit of a laugh to, the, you know, any stupid shit that happens on shows. And it's it's good because it now means you're not like, oh God, I want to talk about what happened on NXT. And then you go on and you see, oh, by the way, and there's been a title change on Dynamite and you're like, oh, fuck, or, you know, like, oh, my God, did you see what happened on Dynamite? And, oh, by the way, this guy's returned to NXT and you're like, oh, shit, they've ruined that for me. Mm-hmm. So it's better for fans to get to watch stuff as happens and don't need to worry about other stuff being spoiled through uh, social media. Mm. Yeah, because, like, Dark Elevation, they're starting to feel like big names on Elevation. They even had John Moxley in the main event of uh, the most recent Elevation, where it's dark, even though it was big when it started, it has went away of like a main event, or and like they keep making it longer now. Now it's almost the same length as an NXT episode. The more they keep, even though it's on YouTube, it's like oh, it's two hours of like basically what's akin to the old WWF superstars. Like oh, it's a person you've probably never seen before or has never won on AEW versus somebody you actually know. How do you think this match is going to go? Yeah, and then, like, and, like ten more matches of. And like ten more matches after that, like repeat that exact same formula. Dark elevation uh, is is kind of happening. See when they brought main event back, and it was like you know when the first show was Punk versus Sheamus, it was World Champ v World Champ. That that's kind of what Dark Elevation's becoming. While superstars just kind of sat in the corner, that's what normal dark is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never a fan when it's like non-branded um, secondary shows they have. Because we've seen it with WCW Thunder, we saw it when there was no brand split what happened to SmackDown, stuff like Elevation and Dark. So I think uh, I don't think NXT is going to have to worry about going up against Dark. Um, but with the, the established stars uh, that AEW were bringing in, it was probably best NXT moved, and it was at the request of the network. So clearly. Clearly, they've seen, like, hold on a minute, they're bringing in Christian and Big Show and Jericho, you know, big established, you know, wrestling legends. And they've got, like, I'm going to sound so old, you know, but, like, what's currently in, Mm -hmm. like, the Young Bucks are social media darlings. They are so clever with their marketing and everything. Cody Rhodes is currently on... Uh, some reality show with Brandy Road, so they're getting the crossover appeal that WWE loves to get, you know. So that so much is going into Dynamite at the minute that NXT is probably best moving to Tuesday nights. Yeah, because like the last year, Grant NXT is going to be basically looking at AEW like I was with it, and then they changed what it was. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? 
Yeah, I mean, that's like at the end of the day, I, I was one of these people, I hated the mention of the ratings. It's a case of ratings don't really mean as much for live television anymore because guess what? If you miss one, you can watch it on demand just right on the back of it. And mm-hmm. if anything, actually, I, I find it harder to watch NXT now because I don't have BT Sport. I'm not fucking paying the money for BT Sport just for WWE. They can go and bolt with that. The fact that they make us wait two weeks to get it on the network, fucking bolt with that. AW, I'm paying three pound a month, and I'm getting it. I can get it whenever I want, and I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. See the rating wars thing. I think that's more of a an American thing as well, because like it's like it's the most must see show on TV, and then you just cut over to the United Kingdom, and it's like one AM. Uh, it's like a hundred thousand people out of a nation with like twenty million people just up. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, as, like, no one's watching it over here. We, we all watch it on ITV Player a week later. Now, America, they're like, oh, AEW and NXT. Like, AEW got 900,000, NXT got 700,000. Must see. Lads, the fucking Walking Dead gets 16 million. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's cash now. <laughs> exactly. The thing with like, AEW and NXT, like, AEW's first episode I think, cracked a million, but neither show has cracked that since. So even though AEW may have won the majority of the time, like 19 out of 10, like it doesn't mean the ratings still weren't the highest like for a wrestling show. Even though you can say about how crap Raw is and SmackDown, like are like some smarts will. Uh, Raw and SmackDown still draw higher ratings than both probably both shows put together. And yeah. so if you put them on separate nights, more people can watch them. The viewership for both shows will go up and like. Yeah, the viewer, even though the viewership will say one thing, doesn't mean that the quality of the show was like better than the other. It just means more people want to watch one of them before the other. Because, like, for example, like I said the first episode of Diamond cracked a million, NXT was in the eight hundred thousand. Whereas that first week, I thought NXT was better. Other weeks, AEW was better. But you have noticed with NXT, they have done more. Like AEW does special episodes of TV, like when they're the Great American Bash or New Year's Evil which is clearly to compete with AEW. And so I think when they're not trying to do moves that are directly influenced by what the competition's doing, as I said before, NXT will start to feel like how it used to. Yeah, I agree there. Um, just, a, just a wee quick update on that. I said the UK had 20 million people. I was way off there. It's 6.5 million people. I was just sort of panicked. I went, I had such a great point, and then I forgot how many people were in the UK. But keeping with talking about Tuesday nights, uh, Tuesday of WrestleMania week, as if the week wasn't already filled with wrestling enough and the Hall of Fame wasn't like long enough. We've got two classes worth of Hall of Fame inductees to, to look at. Because, like, Ross, you and, and Dave talked about, like, uh, people that confirmed so far, like, okay. Oh. <laughs> my, my, my record has only just subsided. But, <laughs> but, You've got like him, Great Kelly, uh, RVD was officially announced uh, over the week. Uh, William Shatner is going into the celebrity wing of the Hall He's of Fame. He's going into the celebrity wing. <laughs> <laughs> and also you got like the 2020 Classic going as well. I'm, I don't know how many more names of any they'll announce for the uh, Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure today's episode that Bob has made a feature, I think, between Trish Stratus and Mickey James. So... Is Trish going to announce that Mickey's going in? Because I think it's very rare for them to have more than one female inductee into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Batista officially announced that he's not going to go in this year. He's going to go 
you got to wait a, until a different time where you can appreciate his induction and fans are there. So I'm, I'm, I, that has me thinking maybe at risk me at 38 when they're in Hollywood, if they can't get the rock, then that's when Batista goes in. It's like maybe, maybe, maybe the headliner, given his like, connections to the Marvel Universe and stuff he's been doing. And uh, also, it's like the Hall of Fame has been pre-taped, which I think is good because for two things, you know, we don't have any Hillbilly Jim length speeches, so with the way William Shatner talks, like you said, thank you for this induction. It allows them to cut down that. And also, it's also thankful given that Great Kelly is going to have to make a speech and oh. they can chop the hell out of that. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm glad you're back. Now I don't have to stab you. <laughs> a, wee, a wee longest job to uh, joke there for anyone who doesn't know. Um, I just googled uh, something we, n- we never really thought about. Uh, Trish Stratus mentioning Mickey James in WrestleMania. I know she says she's retired, but one thing we've learned as wrestling fans is never to trust a wrestler when they say they're retired. Um, could Mickey and Trish be the tag team to dethrone uh, Nia and Shayna? Oh, see, that would be interesting. Like, you know, we saw when like Trish came back for like Revolution, sort of Evolution, uh, to team with Lita against like end up being Mickey and Alicia Fox when it was meant to be Mickey and Alexa Bliss. So that I wouldn't mind. Of and, and you know, I think although some people think we'll complain the idea when you got Edge coming back, Shane and, and, and Mickey and Trish. But I think those are kind of like part timer involvement that you can. Actually, it will add something because, like, Undertaker's retired and, like, Triple H isn't going to be a part of WrestleMania for the first time in some time. So, you know, it's not as bad with the part-timers as WrestleMania usually is. Uh, yeah. Also, also with uh, the Hall of Fame, Grant, you've got Jason Liger. And and I think, given it's very good as a pre-tape because I don't think he'd be willing to come over to the U.S. quarantine just for this Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, like it's it's just not like not practical two week quarantine all that sort of stuff. Uh, so Liger wasn't wasn't going to be there, and it's it's a shame. Like his, his one speech was probably the one that I possibly would have watched. Mm-hmm. But I, I've said it in the group chat. I'm I'm not a fan of Hall of Fames like Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame, whatever you what I call it. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of politics. These people don't need the recognition. Their their accolades speak for themselves. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I think with uh, these people, they think about who's going to induct them. Uh, I imagine Daryl Lawler may induct uh, William Shatner because they got William Shatner into induct Lawler because they did a segment on a episode of Raw back in the day. Uh, or I'd even have Shawn Michaels in just for that rendition of Sexy Boy that Shatner did a couple of years ago. And with RVD, like I, I would have said Jerry Lynn should induct them, but Jerry Lynn's involved with AEW behind the scenes. Uh, you got Tommy Dreamer and Impact, so I have a feeling that it's going to end up being Paul Heyman. Aye, that, that'll be... WWE likes to... like They like to... I mean, Jerry Lawler's talked about this. There was a, a wrestler in Memphis that he was really great friends with, and when he got inducted, they wanted him to... He wanted him to induct him, and they were like, no, we've, we've got William Shatner, and he's like, I did one segment with William Shatner in the 90s. I, like... I'm not friends with him outside of this. I'm a fan of Star Trek. He's not a fan of wrestling. Like, so I think WWE like to be like, oh, no, they they have such a great relationship together. Like you saw it with um, 
was it Trish? Trish went in and Stephanie McMahon inducted her when it really should have been Lita because Trish inducted Lita. Yeah. Well, I think it would make sense, you know, if anybody with an ECW connection makes sense to induct uh, RVD. Uh, I did see although one comment that said uh, just for their match at One Night Stand, uh, getting John Cena to induct RVD. I'm sure, like, RVD, RVD sounds like just such a, a nice, chilled-out guy. I'm sure he, he wouldn't give a shit who inducted him, to be honest with you. <laughs> Probably not. Get, fuck it, get my middle in. Have him come on his scooter, like, hey, Rob Van Damme was a major influence, man. <laughs> oh, I'd, oh, could you imagine the car wreck of Sabu inducted him? Yeah, I think... I think it was Sabu and then they, they were on a radio show together. I think Sabu blurred out, oh yeah, Rob's going in the Hall of Fame like before it was reported. Aye, that's what basically got everything going. I'm pretty sure he was in, offered a Hall of Fame induction some time ago and like said to basically tell WWE to fuck off. <laughs> Which to be fair, I don't know why, like I'm sorry to be seen disparaging here, but I don't know why you'd want Sabu in the Hall of Fame. Like, you want to celebrate them one of the most botchiest wrestlers of all time. Like, I mean, that's the accolade that Buddy Creek Kelly's taking this year. <laughs> so speaking of the Hall of Fame, before we move on, uh, the Warrior Award is probably one that still gave a lot of people thought maybe Brody Lee or even Chad Gaspar. But weirdly, it's looking like it's going to be Titus O'Neil, one of the co-hosts of WrestleMania, because it's in the Tampa area where he's from. He apparently does makes headlines very regularly in the local area for his charity work. So fair dues to him going in. Just I think... I'd just be worried if they inducted him and they get, they were trying maybe have Hogan, his co-host, the resume, try and induct him. Because yeah. I think it would cast a weird shadow on what probably would be a good honour for all the work that Titus has done. Yeah, I think, is it not uh, Warrior's Widow that does the award? Anyway, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so uh, that's obviously not too bad. Um, I saw a lot of people upset, um, a lot of people point scoring, um with the death of uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, um, saying, oh, well, well, it's because he was in AEW. WWE released multiple tribute videos. Uh, the New Day spoke about him on their podcast. The New Day wore gear with his face on it in the Royal Rumble, all three of them. So I don't think that was an issue there. I think it's just the fact that they probably had this planned out, the Warrior Award because uh, they didn't announce one for last year. So I imagined Titus O'Neil was going to be last year because it was meant to be in Tampa last year anyway. And they've just went, right, we'll, we'll carry it forward this year. Uh, Shad Gaspar, who tragically died saving his son uh, from drowning. Um, people were also talking about him as well. There's plenty of time for these guys to go in. Um, you know, Luke Harper could go in on his own or as part of the Wyatt family, you know, he, he's a former Continental Champion, former TNT Champion, former Tag Champ, you know, one of the, the most liked wrestlers on the Indies. So he can go in on his own accord. It doesn't have to be right now. And same with Shad for the, the Warrior Award. It doesn't have to be right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think people maybe just get a bit too caught up. And, you know, it's, it's understandable, maybe a bit emotional. But Tyson O'Neill... Again, it's apparently one of the nicest guys in the world. He's so charitable. He's, you know, he, he basically uses his platform. He might not be a main event star. He might not be on TV every week. 
but he uses his platform to provide help for people less fortunate. So I I really don't have that I, I really don't have a problem with Tyson O'Neill going in, nor do I see the need for you know a small number of idiots to bring up uh, a non-existent Wednesday night war for the reason that. Titus is going in and Luke Harper isn't. Luke Harper's probably not going in this year. Sorry, Brody Lee is probably not going in this year because, you know, it, it, it might look like a cash grab to WWE or it might look like, or maybe they've got the plan to put the Wyatt family in themselves one day, which I think would be more than deserving. Yeah, I think it's more likely to put the Wyatts in as a group. I think that'd be quite good. Uh yeah, and I'll go to moving away from the Hall of Fame, a couple of short things about WWE before we move on to more of the wider world of wrestling. Uh, Alistair Black, we've not seen him since September, October, I think, of last year. And uh, he usually shares like his Instagram posts in like black and white, but then he shared a photo of himself that was in Culling. He said, I have such stories to tell. And I said, and basically said, I'll tell them soon and I'll tell them in colour. Like, essentially teasing that he's coming back to TV soon. And, uh, Buddy Murphy uh, promised dangling something in front of us that probably won't happen, basically saying, hey, Alistair Black, do you want to steal the show at WrestleMania? So, like, Alistair Black is one of the people, I think we've talked before, that people who WWE don't, aren't using properly. Like, like I think you'd be freaking freaking Alistair Black is still even part of the WWE roster. Aye, those two talents no getting used is nothing short of absolutely fucking criminal. Like, Alistair Black is on an absolute stellar run. Paul Heyman was backing him. And as soon as Vince went, nah, this this guy doesn't really interest me anymore. That's not good shit. It, it, <laughs> just, went, it just went down south. And then they put Buddy Murphy in a storyline which borderline made him look like a beast. Uh, which really, not cool. Not cool. Like, to me, Murphy should have been the one to write Rollins out of TV when he was becoming a dad and stuff like that. They've just dropped the ball with those two. As much as I want to see them come like especially Alistair Black come back, I don't see it happening in Mania. Yeah, I think he's a, a post-Mania return, much like Keith Lee, who I'll talk about in a second, but uh, talk about Murphy, he uh, put a post out on, on Instagram basically explaining, in case at least why he's not with the Mysterios, claiming they used them, because like, they reappeared a couple of weeks ago with Faces are with no mentions of the Mysterios, saying like, Dominic, you used me so you could be at ringside, Ray, was just upset he wasn't the face of cruiserweights anymore after my run as cruiserweight champion. Aliyah used me to get on TV. And basically, like, you know, just to like, try and break out from this storyline, which is clearly like not getting a resolution. And Dewey apparently forced him to delete his Instagram comments. So Dewey basically doesn't like him creating his own storyline and explain something they can't be arsed to. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty annoying. Um, on the Alistair Black front... Um, Apparently he was written off TV, um, well, wasn't written off. They had nothing for him, but then he had to be off TV due to the fact that he's uh, recovering from several minor injuries. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be anything for him when he returns because it didn't seem like they had much for him, but apparently the actual reason he's been off for so long is the fact that he's um, he does have uh, apparently some minor injuries. There you go. I think uh, I think it's just the length of time. He went because like, he was in the midst of the, that feud with Owen, and then just one week he wasn't there. Was then it's why it's sometimes have been like, well, where the hell is he? Is he being? I don't know if they'll explain that where where he's been when he comes back. But I said he would probably come back sometimes to WrestleMania, assuming that Keith Lee will as well, because 
easily, according to Fightful, was supposed to win the US title in that triple threat at Elimination Chamber. And basically had the run that uh, Matt Riddle's having right now. And they'll probably go into WrestleMania as US champion, which is kind of, makes it kind of sad, you know, sad that he's not on TV, given what was planned for him. Because some people thought he was going to win the Rumble. If he was at the Rumble and not, didn't have to isolate, he probably would have had a good showing at least. Uh, like the US title run would have been a good kind of like stamp of approval from Dewey because he's had that one over Orton when he debuted. He had that match with Drew, that even though he didn't win, he still looked great uh, and he had full effort to win the Dewey title. But apparently, he's, he's struggling with a medical issue that he's struggling to get cleared from. And he's, he's basically been going to her like, I'm trying my best. Uh, as soon as they clear me, I'll be back. Just he doesn't know when he's going to be back. So. It's kind of a shame that it seemed like it's not to do, Ross, with like in terms of Derby booking. It's just a case of like things that Keith Lee can't control that are keeping him away from TV. Yeah, which is upsetting. Um, he's not the only one. Obviously, I mentioned Alistair Black. Um, Samoa Joe a couple of weeks ago said the reason he's been on commentary so long is because he's like he does have some serious, like he did have a concussion um, in the lead up to WrestleMania last year. He's saying he's had some serious injuries that don't want to be um, you don't want to rush back from so you've got people like Samoa Joe, Keith Lee and Alistair Black all all off TV through things that they can't control which is quite mm-hmm. frustrating if you're a fan you know what I mean because it's not as if oh WWE aren't using them WWE aren't you know, letting them get TV time it's more these three guys are injured and even if they left WWE they couldn't go anywhere even if they wanted mm-hmm yeah, as as a shame because like it did seem like Keith Lee had all the like they had all these plans for Keith Lee when he first came up, and clearly they did have plans for him. like so Keith. I don't know if that means it'd be Keith Lee v Riddle or Keith Lee v Sheamus at WrestleMania. What the plan was, but you know I, I would have like enjoyed seeing that at WrestleMania. But we go like outside of WWE to AEW, and yeah, I'll go you the first story where. Look at WrestleMania, we've got Raw, SmackDown, two nights WrestleMania, two nights of stand and deliver a Hall of Fame, X UK prelude, probably Elevation Dynamite and Dark and like Impact, whatever else in the world of wrestling. But AEW decided to add something else, their first non televised event, basically their first ever house show, is happening on Friday, April 9th. It's called The House Always Wins. And so far, they've announced some matches for it. It's going to happen in Jacksonville, likely at uh, Daly's place. Matches we entered for it so far are Kay Omega and Michael Nakazawa versus Mike and Matt Seidel, uh, Death Triangle versus the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler, uh, Darby Allen will defend his TNT title, and Ethan Page will face Cody Rhodes in a singles match. So, a decent enough card for the first like, live event, but I think just the timing of it just seems out of the blue. I think it seems like they're they're trying to go up. Uh, some people are thinking, like, why are AEW doing a house show on Mania weekend of all weekends? Um, especially since there is going to be indie shows happening near like WWE's stuff as well um, on that weekend. But I mean, you're looking at it. I just for the sake of curiosity, I was like, I wonder how far it is from Jacksonville to Tampa. It's only a three-hour drive. So for uh, fans of both, they, they could do both. That, that's basically them enticing people. It's like, should we drive three hours to this one? It's like, we could just stay at home and go see this one. You know what I mean? It is like, I think that's quite smart. I think that is quite smart. 
What's weird way is like it's probably going to be in, in Daily Space to say it in Jacksonville. I don't know if it's said where the venue is, but like if it is in like Daily's place, it's really weird to say like, oh yeah, it's basically going to be the same setup where we have dynamite uh, elevation and dark. It's just this time, this is just for you people. This is not uh, going to be televised, so like it's just going to be the same place to do their TV, which is weird for a live event. That's why I said the time was so like also like I think the idea of them like branching out into live events, which I think they would have done uh, before uh, this time if the pandemic hadn't happened, and branching to like, doing shows that aren't televised like WWE uh, do. So, I also think they haven't been able to, because they had all these plans also to go international as well. So I think they're basically trying out and saying, like, here, like, come our first ever like like live event, here's the car, like, it's a must-see kind of car, like you said, if you're in the Florida area, Ross, rather than driving three hours to Tampa for WrestleMania, uh, come here to this show for a car. Also, you have to be there in person to see. Yeah, um, I think that'll be like, oh, this will not be televised, and then you know, over Christmas when it's like um, NXT have done it before, where it's like the best of unseen matches. It'll be like, oh, by the way, a special event never before seen. That'll be that'll be the Christmas and New Year episode of Dynamite. Yeah, like the start of 2020, there were a couple of episodes of Dark where they kind of they show like matches that they taped, and then they show one or two matches randomly from the Jericho Cruise that weren't aired anywhere else. So I could definitely see them doing that. But hey, go ahead. Once Dark they started uh, doing this, like if they start doing house shows, and then go, oh by the way, on Dark this week, Kenny Omega fights, you know, Penta, uh, you know. Hmm. Like, I, I'd, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, like, the idea of, like, saying, you know, here's the matches for uh, for Dart. These are all in Dave's place. But here, this is a, a live event that happened in this place. And so-and-so took on this guy. Like, you can only see it here on Dart if you weren't there in person. And that entices people to go to the live events when they start running them. Kind of like how WWE occasionally does those types of show title changes to make you think, if I go to a house show, maybe I could see a title change. Uh, yeah, you won't. <laughs> yeah, you won't. Uh, tonight on Dynamite, Christian Cage is set to make his, uh, his in-ring debut, finally. Uh, Russell coming to this, and he's facing Frankie Kazarian, which I think is a good like first match for Christian. Uh, and I know there's like, a lot of anticipation for seeing what Christian is like in an actual singles match for the first time since 2014. He looked good in uh, the Rumble. And a lot of people are putting in mind of uh, these guys face off in TNA in 2007 in a ladder match for a, a contract which fell off its clipboard which meant the last five minutes they wrestled for a clipboard. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, NWA champion Christian Cage take on ex-division <laughs> champion Frankie Gonzarian on a 2007 episode of TNA Impact. Um, <laughs> jo- jokes aside, I am very much looking forward to Christian Cage's in-ring return. You know, low, low be it to take away from the fact that it's Sarah's favourite wrestlers. There are other of us on the podcast who do quite enjoy a Christian Cage match. Um, I was really, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Christian's. I'm, I was really frustrated when WWE basically just, you, they gave him the world title win and then it was just hot potato with Randy Orton. He never really got a run with it. He lost most of the matches and then he was just sort of, after 2011, he just the injuries piled up. And they never really got back, you know, short in a current title run. That was it. Like, he never really got back to where he was. 
So I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in AEW. I'm hoping the lighter schedule um, and the fact that he won't have to wrestle every week, but maybe every second or third week, will will mean that we get a longer career for him. And there is some there's some really exciting matches in uh, AEW for him. Uh, Cody Rhodes, for example, they had a feud for the Intercontinental Title and WWE, which I felt could have been a lot lot more. Um, I think there's so many great feuds from there, and Frankie Kazarian, he's he's basically AEW's version of Dolph Ziggler, isn't he? He's a, <laughs> he's a sensational in-ring wrestler who you know is probably never going to be a world champion, but he's going to put on a hell of a match for you. I think there's some fans of Frankie Kazarian out there who are thinking, how dare you compare him to Dolph Ziggler? I there's plenty of opportunities there for Christian Cage. You know, he could go up against such opponents as Buddhist Barry or Catholic Cell. <laughs> Hindu <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Give me a second to figure out what the hell you were talking about now. <laughs> it took me a minute as well, Christian Cage, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Just say, like, is Grant all right? Is he having a breakdown? I thought, because Grant is our resident... Uh, co-host on the one-time show Indie Sausage Roll, great name by the way um, <laughs> I thought these were like names that Frankie Kazarian had had on the Indies and I'm sitting there like ah, just nod and pretend you know Indie Wrestling Ross, ah oh, yes, I am a fan of the, the independent yes, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to see Christian as well uh, and I think it's good that he finally get a match week a few weeks into his run because he had a couple of promos uh, uh, on the weeks leading up to this, he had that uh, interaction with Kay Omega teasing a potential match between those two for the title. But they basically had Kazarian basically say, I'm like, you said outwork everyone. Well, when are you going to start working? And they said, well, I'll fight you next week. Basically, they avoided doing what they've been doing with Sting for weeks on end, which is coming out. Oh, look, it's going to be Sting and Tony Schiavone. And someone's going to come out and interrupt them, but doing nothing. Aye, that's uh, it's. I, I, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. When they teased the Omega match, I was like, right, this, that's one I'm looking forward to. But for it to make sense, you can't just put him straight against Omega. He's just signed in that. You need to have a bit of build. We need to also make sure that he gets any ring rust out of the way in that. So put him against someone like Kazarian, who's old, experienced, just like him, and that he has had chemistry with in the past. Get that first match out of the way. See how that goes. It's one that I am definitely looking forward to. Uh, we've got a couple of things to quickly say about Impact in New Japan, but uh, Ross actually has to jump off his uh, other things he has to do. But Ross, thank you for joining us here on, on Central. Yes, I'm going to leave uh, Impact and uh, East Meets West. Uh, sorry, the New Japan wrestling to the East Meets West uh, experts. Uh, and I'm going to go and do double duty tonight. Uh, so you can catch <laughs> you can catch me on the Raw After Mania show in a couple of weeks and you'll realise why I had to leave this show so early. I'll catch you later, guys. Yeah, man. Right. Ah. Well, well, lad. Lovely fella. Flip fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but we move on to, to Impact Wrestling before we round out, because uh, we mentioned they are moving to Thursday, starting April 8th. Uh, so there's a slight day. April 8th, we've got UK, next UK prelude, the first episode of Impact and Nature of Stand and Deliver. But Impact looks to be delivering as well because. The announced the main event of the first Thursday show will be Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Willie Mack, Eddie Edwards, and Rich Swan. So, you know, trying to go all out for their first big show on Thursdays, aren't they? 
Aye, that's it. There, like Impact Moving the Thursdays. Um, anyone's anyone seen it? It was pretty much a case of they're not wanting to go against NXT. Cannot fucking blame them. Move to Thursday. Yeah, is there's nothing there. Thursday, Thursday is a nice blank night. Fill in the week. Definitely, and I think they're going to hope for better in terms of rains if they move to Thursday as well. Because like when NXT moved to Tuesday for two nights uh, in the summer last year. Impact uh, took a big dive in viewership, so obviously avoiding NXT and obviously spaces that gives people plenty of options during the week. I also hope they're hoping for better with Omega being involved in the main event because Omega had a promo segment on a recent Impact. And apparently, the ratings actually dipped and didn't increase like they hoped they would. Uh, so Impact will be hoping for better. But last week on this show, Ross and Dave mentioned the fact that uh, it was James Thorne's thousandth match coming up on a recent Impact against Eric Young. And uh, one of the participants in that match, Eric Young, at the recent tapings, uh, suffered a really bad injury. Uh, he's going to need sur- require surgery, and he'll be out for six to nine months, which uh, is sad to hear. But anyway, but Eric Young, since he came to Impact, I think he's proved why it was a mistake the way WWE booked him post-sanity. And like with the work he's been doing with his world champion, he's worked with uh, the group Violent by Design that he's formed. Yeah, Eric Young's been looking revitalised ever since he came to Impact. And I mean, let's face it, he's, he's booking WWE. Sanity on NXT was fun. They knew what they were doing. They really made that group work. And then they went to the main roster and Vince is like, what the fuck is this? What am, I, what am I meant to do with this? And just didn't know what to do and made probably one of the biggest balls-ups that he's done with stables in the last several years. Mm-hmm. I think with, uh, I don't know, like with the way Impact is doing the teams, because I'm pretty sure they take Sacrifice uh, quite a while beforehand because the uh, like, Finjus were on there and then showed up on a, I think there was a New Japan Cup show the same day as Sacrifice, but then Finjus are mysteriously in Japan as well. So I'm assuming like Hardcore Justice is happening on the 10th and like everything else leading up to Rebellion at the end of April has been taped. So hopefully Eric Young can still like do you know, a few weeks of TV with Eric Young still fit. Uh, that's obviously taped before the injury. But even when he's rolled with Fire by Design alongside uh, Dana, Joe Doring, and now Rhino who's joined them, they can maybe have him on TV if, if they allow him to be a, like basically a corner man and not have to get physical. So he's not just like fully off TV. Yeah, that's it. I think if, they could, if there's any way they can kind of keep him there, present, that would be fantastic. I think sometimes that that is a... A big mistake that can happen is if a wrestler is injured for a for a long period of time. I think sometimes they just go with well, they can't get physical, just take them off TV altogether. Where you could put them into another role, corner man, eh? do like Samoa Joe, mm-hmm. a, little, a little spot and commentary, something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the I mean, sorry that they when they hear me and you talking, our recent New Japan experts on this show, uh, the story that happened during the week, they definitely want us to talk about. That uh, we were talking on our last East West episode about the eventual unveiling of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, and we figured it would probably happen at Secure Justice, but then we found out what's going to happen on March 30th, which is as well we happen to be on the news based show here in East that we can talk about it a little earlier for our next episode of East Meets West. And so the, it was unveiled on the road to Secure Genesis show the new IWGP World Heavyweight title, and it's it's gotten some mixed reviews from fans online some fans like it, some fans don't like it, some fans think the way the sides of the main belt make it look like butterfly wings similar to the, the Divas title I think just the fact that there's some wings kind of shaped on a title 
they're just assuming Diva's tail. I don't know why it's their first protocol because I don't personally kind of see it. Because, you know, I don't mind about it. It doesn't look, definitely looks like something Kota Bushi would uh, devise, at least in kayfabe. My main issue is that it doesn't look as big. I did expect an IWGP title to usually be, especially not a world title. Yeah, there's been a huge, huge re- reaction with it. You're right, the, the people going with the Divas title. Some people point out it looks like Cody Rhodes' tattoo. I have to admit, that made me laugh, that one. <laughs> um, I mean, I would go something at something about the size and that, but I've watched older New Japan. I've seen the older belts. And I mean, the most recent, until this one, the last IWGP he- heavyweight championship was fucking massive. But the ones that came before it, none of them were actually anywhere near as big as that. Mm. And... I think for a lot of us, we're kind of used to seeing that big belt and WWE's bigger belts were always kind of bigger and the AEW one was also ridiculously big as well. So I think it's became a thing that we're used to kind of bigger means better with the belts. But I love how the little fine details in this one, like the little gems representing, like they did say five gems for five continents. I'm thinking someone maybe fucked up their geography a bit there, but I'm not going to go on at them about that. Oh, yeah, who cares about Australia and Antarctica? It's like, uh, what, are we going to, are we going to start defending titles out in Antarctica? That would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I get where you're coming from. Like, you see old footage before shows, like, or like when they go through like the old IWGP title, when they go through like the images of former champions, you see they're the very sizes of belts. I do think on Twitter there are a lot of people who have jumped on Japan and the more recent era of the company where they did have that big title. And also when they unveil like new belt for the US belt, the US belt is quite big as well. And so I think they are basically judging it based on the size of it. And yeah, the obviously devious thing like they brought up. And I think it will grow on people over time, I think, because like I liked it when I was just on the podium, I saw the picture of it. I didn't wasn't sure about myself basically holding it. Uh, especially after we've seen them carrying those big uh, those two big belts the last month and a bit. I think it will grow up people on things that you mentioned the AEW world title. When I first saw that unveiled at Double Nothing, I hated it. But it's really grown on me over time. I think this will grow on people over time because, you know, this is basically quite a basically create this new lineage, this new, for this new title. Plus, he needed a belt that he could actually carry because every time he tried picking up two belts at one, once he made it, it looked like a fucking effort. <laughs> <laughs> that's, his, that's, his, that's his pre-match workout. Just lift the belt. One, two... Just lift them over his head on the way to the ring. But I'm but, definitely interested to see how, how it looks going forward. I think a lot of people will grow in them. Uh, some people's reactions were just way too over the top. Like, oh my god, we don't like the new belt, we don't like New Japan anymore. Settle down. Yeah, that, that's the thing with, with New Japan and or like with Twitter in general, just like immediate reactions now. And like, as soon as some person sees on things, some other people, I'm not saying everybody's jumped on Santa Bamang with the Diva thing, but I think some people have just. There are some people out there who repeat what other people have said. I'm not saying like some people who, if you don't like it, that's then your opinion is wrong. I'm just you're fine to have your opinion. But I think we just need to give it some time, see how it looks when it comes out at Takura Genesis. I think maybe just in case people had a bit of a backlash to it, it's why they revealed it on a Road Two show and not have this potential backlash to overshadow the match between him and Osprey at Takura Genesis. Kind of like how. Uh, Balor versus Rollins was overshadowed by the fans' reaction to the Universal title. Yeah, that's it. There's, there, there's just the, the instant reaction is one thing, but I, I, I say give it a chance. Plus, when you actually see it being held and being taken to the ring, it's interesting. And I like what Ibushi has said. Um, 
was like, he was he was asked about why has he not worn the belt yet? He's only carried it, and he says he's not wearing it until he's won the right to wear it, which he's planning to do at Sakura Genesis. Yeah, as a good little bit of storytelling there because he's been credited as the first ever IWGP World Champion, but then he he still feels like he has to earn it, and then if Osprey. He, like beats him uh, at security, which I really hope he doesn't. Well, speaking technically, that he's the first ever because like Abushi never never really defended the title or ever properly like wore it. So there's a bit of storytelling that's been done there. Uh, as my voice starts to go a little bit, Grant, there's another Edge uh, of Family story that you wanted to talk about, so I'll let you uh, take the lead on this one. Yes, this one will be relevant for anyone who has caught on to the Maki Ito hype train. Um, after her appearance in AEW, she is, she's back home in Japan and she's back to her home promotion, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Uh, I follow them a little bit. I've got a subscription for Wrestle Universe, which gives you DDT, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling and NOAH. Um, fantastic stuff. But the, the bigger news that they kind of put out there, and it's a way to bring the international fans in, um, especially in the back of Maki Ito doing it, is that twice a week, starting in April, um, with the first show being planned for the 12th of April, they're going to have two shows a week, and each show is only going to be one match, roughly about 15 minutes they expect time-wise. But it's going to be purely in English, so the commentary is going to be English, which is going to be done by Chris Brooks, who's been out in Japan for over a year now, and he's killing it in DDT. He's the current Extreme DDT champion, won a fantastic coffin death match. Um, and Bally and Aki, who I've had the joy of seeing in Manchester at Schadenfreude, the guy is insane if you get a chance to see him do it, um, they're on comms uh, but even the wrestlers and the ring announcers are apparently going to be attempting everything in English, all the announcements will be in English and it's, I think it's a clever little move um, without them having to bring in someone external, they're trying to do this as a way to bridge the gap because you sometimes get that people won't watch Japan or Mexico because the language barrier, for me mm. the ring, te- the rings, the in-ring story tells me everything but I think this is a clever little bit especially the fact that if you point out to everyone this is where Maki Ito wrestles normally. You're probably going to get people's interest. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've talked about it before in Easy Express where you usually watch the Japanese commentary, watch the English commentary, especially if it's a, a live uh, show. Not because like, I have an issue with the Lions, but it's just that also I don't speak Japanese. And as much as they're passion, very passionate about uh, the stuff going on, I like to know what, what's been said about the commentary because commentary can add a lot to how you watch a match. And that's why I enjoy listening to Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton and that on, on commentary. And if you're not listening to English commentary, you, you miss out on Gino Gambino's coming out with gems like Doki Toki. <laughs> but <laughs> so I think it's good, like especially like even if like some people struggle getting promos in English as well instead of Japanese, as long as you have somebody on the commentary team like you've got Chris Charlton in Japan who can translate for the fans at home. But I do think it's a good idea to help introduce uh, people to more of the Japan, especially the Joshi style of wrestling, given that the way AEW has brought in a lot of Japanese women that some audiences won't be familiar with. And there's always that story that like certain TNT weren't happy with Makito and her singing like they didn't get it. And there's almost this outrage like, how dare these TV executives who probably don't watch wrestling not get this niche thing within a niche thing? Like... <laughs> It's one of those things, it's not immediately a thing that will appear to the masses, but things like this might help it get there in time. Yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm a, I'm a huge fan of them doing it. Um, cause I do, DDT also do it with their um, 
their All English show, which is run by Chris Brooks. He's doing his third one soon. He's defending his DDT champ- Extreme Championship against Mecha Mummy. Hilarious <laughs> character. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think actually when I looked at the, the IWGP like, New World title, I think it did look like some of the belts I'd seen in TNT in terms of design or like the shape of it. And I think you like, wonder if Corby if, if did have some influence and maybe if that was intentional given his history in DDT. Like, there was a time where he was wrestling in in Japan and DDT at the same time. So you, you never quite know, but that is uh, everything that's been going on in the week of wrestling. And I give a second with us through WWE and the stuff going on AEW and now the stuff we talked about here in Japan. But if you want to hear more of me and Grant talking about Japan, take back uh, later in the month when we'll be talking about Sakura Genesis, all the fallout there. And uh, I think next week, or, or this week, sorry, the New Japan Cup USA begins, and we'll probably be talking about everything to do with that later this month, uh, as we look to determine a new number one contender for John Moxley's IWGP US title. And you can also check back uh, through the archives of all the past episodes of Central, check out past episodes of East Meets West, after Draft Live, and all the future shows, the upcoming uh, Ross Armenia show that Ross is going to be on, and no, he recorded that the same night he did Central, what a trooper he is. I'm sure that's what he'd like you to think. And as I said before, it's also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Retreat. But uh, thanks, Ross. Grant, thank you for sticking with me for this episode of Central. Thank you for having me on, Scott. It's been fun. It's good, yeah. It's been a while since I've been on Central. It's nice to get kind of back into it, talk more uh, the weekly stuff that's been going on. But uh, until next time, whenever I'm invited back on to a Central, I'll just say thank you for listening and bye-bye. Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel, and that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends.